Welcome to the On Target Living Podcast, a place where health and human performance meet. Well, welcome everybody. Um, I am really excited about our podcast today with my longtime great friend, Walt Reynolds. Uh, go back in time. Uh, Walt and I started at the Michigan Athletic Club back in uh, January of 1991. And uh, I was the fitness director and Walt was the personal training director. And um, neither one of us knew anything about each other. But I think uh, I'll speak for myself, but very quickly I realized this is a really amazing human being and that um, and it just a wealth of knowledge. So and just to kind of let everybody know that um, when I get in trouble, um, the first person I look to is my buddy here. And so I've been training with him off and on for probably a couple of years. And he works with a lot of my limitations and really has helped me um, not only think differently a little bit about my own training, but also some real specific exercises. So with that being said, uh, welcome. Thank and, you. Uh, Appreciate happy it. Happy to have you here today. Thank you. So kind of just tell the listeners a little bit about uh, a little bit about your background, how you got going in this business and mm-hmm. kind of get warmed up and tell them sure. what they need to know. Okay. Well, um, I consider myself a lifelong mover. I've been um, into sports and athletics ever since I was a little kid. Uh, my dad was a bodybuilder, so I grew up with a gym in the basement, and I don't think it's a complete accident that I ended up going into the, sure. to the training world. Um, I was a competitive high jumper all the way through college, and then a couple years beyond, I tried to make it to the Olympic trials back in 1988, didn't make it, but gave it a good shot. And um, I started personal training right around the time that, uh, that my high jump career was nearing its end. So and, let's, let's go back just for a second about the high jump, because mm-hmm. I, mean, I know you're a modest guy, but how tall are you? I'm six feet tall. Six feet tall. And what was the highest you've, you jumped? Seven feet, two and a half. <laughs> so that's almost comical. Seven feet, two and a half inches you jumped at six feet tall. Mm-hmm. So I just want the listeners to understand um, who we're talking to here. So when, when I remember you and I went up north and we did this... Um, I, you remember we went up north and we did this like retreat, you and I kind of yeah. learned talking about. It. And then we went out and we did some, I don't know what you called it, but it wasn't like. It was run play. Run play. Yeah. And we were jumping over fences and we we're in the woods. And I'm like, this guy's a gazelle. I mean, I'm, <laughs> it's like the cow chasing the gazelle. So <laughs> anyway, I, I, so anyway, I just want to back up and let him get a little perspective on what type of uh, athlete you were at. Oregon. I went to the University of Oregon. Right. I'm from East Lansing. I grew up here. I went to East Lansing schools. Um, and I was originally going to be an architect. And uh, so I enrolled in the architecture school at the University of Oregon. I was also on the track team there. And after a year of the architecture program, I decided I don't want to be an architect. But um, they had a really good biomechanics program. So I enrolled in that. And the difference between architecture and biomechanics is not that great. One's dealing with structures of buildings and the other's structure of body. So they aren't that far apart in a lot of respects. Um, But I got my degree and um, I continued to high jump, as I said, a couple years out of college. Got a job in a local health club um, called Health Core Fitness Center um, back in about 86, 87. Yeah, that was kind of the hotbed at the time. It was. In fact, a lot of the people that ended up going to the MAC and starting the MAC when, where you and I met came from Health Corps. Right. 
Um, and so I started actually personal training in 1988, so it's a few years ago. And, um, you know, I consider myself a student of this as much as I do, um, you know, people say expert, you know, trainer, whatever, you've been doing this a long time. But what I've learned is that the more you learn, there's always more to know. Mm -hmm. And um, I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy working with just a broad spectrum of people, people like yourself, or with a lot of young athletes. Uh, I've got a 94-year-old who I taught to run a couple of years ago um, who's still kicking and doing great. Um, and I've got 11-year-old twins at home who uh, right. teach me a lot about movement every day. <laughs> um, so, yeah. You and your wife, Sharon, have the, have the twin boys. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So go back in time a little bit. So when you first started personal training, what was kind of your... Th- philosophy when you first got in in the game well because of the influence my dad had on me growing up um he was a bodybuilder and i i don't look like a bodybuilder because bodybuilders don't usually high jump particularly well but um (laughs) i i learned kind of the the bodybuilding philosophy which was to train body parts you know legs one day and you know chest shoulders back triceps what have you and I took that approach for quite a while, um, but then I took a bit of a, a detour um, after a few years and started to kind of follow an approach that was more movement-based. Um, move Training movement, not muscles, is kind of a way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And that's been, I think, that's really kind of directed the way I train people probably for the last 20, 20 plus years. Um, my general sense is that we all move, we all need to move, and we can all move better. And pretty much any, you know, organized movement that we do from walking to running to jumping to lifting weights has some skill component to it. And if it's a skill, you can train it. And if you train it, you get better. And so that's kind of the approach I like to take. And I remember you talking about, like, um, Form follows function, function follows form. You talked a lot about that. Explain to the listeners a little bit about that, which is kind of what you're yeah. discussing right now. If you're going to train and move like a high jumper, you probably will look like a high jumper. Well, that's just it. So, you know, um, some people come in and they say, well, I want to get fit. And I mean, like, let's take your case. You came to me and said, well, I, I, I want to move better. I want to be able to play paddle ball. And I said, okay, well, what are some of the specifics associated with that? And what are, what are the things that you want to be able to do that you're not able to do right now? And I think one of the things that we found in your case was you had some limitations, particularly in the mobility, flexibility, range of motion end. And so in your case, your ability to move well, your form on the racquetball court was compromised by the function that you didn't quite have, say, in your ankles and your feet. Um, And so we started to address some of that stuff and we addressed some of the tightness in your hamstrings and your hips and your shoulders. Right. And next thing you know, you're playing. It was was funny, like people are saying, why are you going over to see a, you know, Walt? I mean, like you've been doing this your whole life. I'm like. Because Walt, this is his, I mean, I have issues. I need some help. And so I remember going over there, you're saying, you know, we're doing a squat. And you're saying, where's your limiting factor? And I said, well, Walt, I got three screws in my knee. I ruptured my patella. 
Where, where's your limiting factor? And I like oh, three screws in my knee, Patel. And you're like, well, do you want to get that better? And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. I have three screws in my knee and you kept saying the same thing. And finally I said, okay, shut up and listen to him. <laughs> and you said, I don't really think it's your knee. I think it's your ankle. Yeah. And I would, you know, stretch my ankles or calves and do all that kind of stuff. And then you said, you know, you don't have good mobility, flexibility in your feet and your ankles. And then you showed me that basic foam roller ankle flexibility thing that I show everybody. And I haven't had a calf issue in two and a half years because I've improved my, because you remember when we first did it, I was like an inch and a half from the ground to the ankle to the ground. And now it's, I can sit there yep. like you and I start to train. So it really hit me that if I want to play better, I need to be able to lunge and move. And, and a big part of my hamstring issues is that I can't, I don't have that mobility. Right. So it really did hit me like, okay, I need to really work on, and I'm spending a lot more time in my own training working on my, some of those things that I never used to, you know, just coming to the gym, just push the weights around, you know, yep. that kind of thing. So a lot more of that. So that, that speaks to, I think, um, one of the issues that a lot of people who exercise on a regular basis have, and that is that they get stuck in a bit of a rut and they continue to do kind of the same, they get, we all like to play to our strengths, right? So if we're comfortable doing bench presses and, you know, leg extensions, bicep curls, we're going to do a lot of that. And let's say we're, we've got some mobility issues in our ankle that we aren't even aware of. Um, if we trained from a movement perspective, we might say, okay, here are three or four fundamental things that I think it's important to do to assess. Are your ankles flexible? By kind of extension, are your wrists flexible? Because basically the lower and upper body are really kind of analogous to one another. And one of the things I like to say, if we know where you're tight, we know where you're weak. And so hips and shoulders tend to go together. If you're tight in the hips, there's a good chance your shoulders are tight. If you're tight in the shoulders, there's a good chance your hips are tight. And doing some basic assessments, I think, um, you know, you mentioned earlier a question about movement screens. There's some basic things. Can you do a reasonable squat? Can you do a reasonable push-up or a variation on a push-up? Mm -hmm. And if you can't, can you do a plank? Um, can you do something that approaches a pull-up? Most people are petrified to death of hanging from a bar. But there are lots of ways to uh, basically make these movements easier. And every single movement we do has a progression mm -hmm. from easy to more difficult. And it's really simple fitness. I mean, people get caught up in machines and all kinds of advanced exercises. But... Every fundamental exercise that you can think of from the simplest movement, bicep curl, to the things that the people in Cirque du Soleil are doing, everything has a progression. And so I think um, that's what I like to do is kind of assess where people are well, at. Well, I think one of the things you, you and I talked about initially is like, all right, so let's, you know, because I've competed in bodybuilding, you know, eight bodybuilding contests, and I think I have relatively... Oh, pretty good flexibility in my shoulders. But then we started doing some handstands and then you're like, okay, let's get closer to the wall and let's put your hands into a diamond. That was my goal to do a diamond handstand, you know, right. that if I could do a diamond handstand, then I'm kind of working on my, but it took me a while to slowly, because I remember when the first time you and I got it, as we started getting close to the wall, I'm like, oh my gosh, my shoulder flex, it, it's killing me. Right. And then you 
so when you're talking about progressions, you said, okay, let's do this for 10 seconds. And then one day we did it for like a minute. And I'm yeah. like, okay, these are all, these are all progressions, what you're talking about we right now. We worked our way up over time. Right. And so it's, when I talk about, you know, if we know where you're tight, we know where you're weak. Many people will be strong in kind of that middle range. Like you talk about a handstand, which really starts with, can you put your hands over your head, even just standing? Because if you can't, you're going to have a heck of a time being mm. upside down doing it, right? right. So... We assess shoulder mobility, but we assess it kind of at the end range, at the end of what your current capacity is. And if you can't put your hands overhead, we're not going to start you by doing a handstand on the wall. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And some people are petrified of being upside down in the first place. Sure, so that's just one. Everything exam. has right. a progression. progression, but there is a way to press to progress from a plank to a plank with your feet elevated say six inches off the floor, to a plank with your feet elevated two feet off the floor, to a plank with your feet on the wall, say four or five feet up, and you gradually move your hands in towards the wall, and eventually, almost anyone can learn to do handstand on the wall. But that's, that's a great point. So you just start with a basic plank, yep. and then you just slowly move up. Over time. Just adding gravity. That's right? how we did it with you. We didn't right. do it in the first week. No. <laughs> We did, right, you're like, and then you were doing, we were doing some, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I got really, I got, I got strong wrist, good grip strength. Yep. And then we started doing some hangs, which was no problem. But then you start doing some hangs where we weren't on a bar. We're just right. using the, yep. and then I realized, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that was all progression. Right. And that's right. really hit me. And then you were, it just kept, just kept evolving. And I think that changed my mindset of, just going in the gym and doing a, a row or a chest press or a, you know, whatever movement you're doing in the gym. And now let's do more movements. Right. And so in my own personal philosophy, I'm doing a lot more movements than I am focused on. And we talk even restorative movements. You've t- given me a lot of that. I mean, now I'm using the bar where I'm actually putting my hamstring on the bar. Right. And finding those spots, yep. which has really been pretty effective. Absolutely. So those are just, I don't know, I, I love that whole philosophy of training movements, not just muscles. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan, and some people kind of roll their eyes or they had bad experience in gym class with calisthenics, but I'm a big fan of bodyweight exercise as a kind of a precursor to external weight, so body weight before external weight, because I feel like there's so much that, now, push-ups might be boring for someone, but there's so there's a hundred variations on a push-up that can be done. And really, anyone, my grandmother lived to be 98 and a half. And until she was 97, she was doing push-ups with her hands on the wall and her feet, say, a foot, her toes a foot and a half away from the wall. And it's just a matter of learning to manage the mechanics of a movement and there's so much that can be done with push-ups. Well, I think sit-ups that's a good thing for listeners out there, whether you're exercising or you're in the training business or whatever. But think about how you can take one movement and and it just add. It's a Rubik's cube. You just got a nine thousand different ways to yep. do it. And Absolutely. I think that's the if you can do a squat and a push-up the rest of your life, you're probably going to look like you can do a squat and a push-up. Absolutely. You know, and you and I were talking, if you can do a pull-up, you will look like you can do a pull-up. Yes. And so when people want to be more fit or they want to look better or whatever, it's like, okay, if you can do that, yep. you'll, you'll look like that. If, if what you want to look like is the form 
it will follow the function that you can perform. Right. And so it's worth training for. Absolutely. So, so a couple of things here. Um, in, in your own training business right now, what have you seen evolve probably in the last... I mean, you're, there's all sorts of new stuff coming in and out, but your philosophy really hasn't changed that much over the years. It's evolved, I right. would say. So, um, you know, I guess there has been a move. Let's say bodybuilding influenced the way a, a, a generation or so looked at fitness, okay? Um, and I think, that's, I think that's a great thing. I mean, the whole idea of doing a split routine really works well for developing muscles that show up good on stage. Right. I mean, it's, it's unquestionably the best way to build that kind of a body. If, you're, if that's your goal. If that's your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, with, in recent years, um, cr- let's just take CrossFit as an example. CrossFit actually originated in the early 90s. I mean, it's a lot older than a lot of people are aware of. Oh, for sure. Of. We were doing CrossFit way back in the you know, day when we were doing the, the right. challenges, right? Um, we just didn't know about it. One of the we're, things, not, we're dumb marketers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then somebody took those ideas right. and slapped a, slapped a name on it and is obviously doing very well. But one of the things about CrossFit that I really do admire um, is that they're really focused on functionality. Now, there some people take issue with some of the workouts they do and whatnot, and that can be debated. I'm not going to get into that. But as far as the focus on movements and functional training, there's a lot there, I think, that is of value. And I think that's influenced the way a lot of people train. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of question about play and kids and kids' fitness. I mean, if you look at uh, the running world, I mean, 5Ks and 10K and marathons and half marathons have been around forever. But what we've seen in the last, you know, six to 10 years are increases in uh, these races like the Tough Mudder and Spartan Race. And they're more adventure type racing where you're not just running, it's kind of running play where you got to climb over this, you know, this mm-hmm, boulder or right. climb over that thing or pull up this rope. Um, the broad movement approach to training, I think, um, has, it just continues to get better. And I think more and more people are buying into it. Even people who say want a body build, they're including more functional training, what they do to stay healthy for as long as they can, rather than just getting stuck in doing, you know, kind of the same old Oh, for Exercises. sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like you said, when we're going to do activities that you want to play. Yeah. So talk about a little bit about play. Yeah. Because you're a, you're, you're a champion in that. You love to play. I love to play. I mean, I, the, the reason I'm, I train more than ever because I want to continue to play. Right. So, you know, I'm one of those people where, for me, training is play. For some people, like my kids... They don't train per se. I mean, they go to practice, but they, you know, what's the best part of practice? The scrimmage, the game. They want to play the game. They want to play the game. Okay. And for me, training became the game because I just, at some point, my mind just kind of went, there's so much to appreciate here. I want to be able to, I want to be able to do not just a regular handstand, but a handstand on one hand. I want to be able to do a pullover on the high bar. I want to be able to, you know, jump up on this box off two feet, you know, higher than I've ever done before. Play is whatever 
you uh, that motivates you, that gets you fired up and passionate about. And for a lot of people, that involves a score, you know, some type of game or whatever. Um, for me, it's just the ability to move and do something tomorrow that I wasn't able to do today mm -hmm. or wasn't able to do right. a month ago. Right. Um, and I try to introduce play into some aspect of training that I do with everybody. Well, I, I think, too, when I come over and train or play with you, that's what I feel like. It's always, in, it's always interesting, and it's fun, and it's challenging. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm not, like, pouring sweat or I'm always challenged, but it's now I'm thinking differently, and and I actually is a form of play. And so when I when I listen to you talk about this, I can see right away like it's so intrinsically motivated. It's fun for you, and I think so. Do you think that's a big problem? A lot of people are. I know you're a big teacher of that when you're working with your your clients. But why don't people work out? I mean, is, we know it's so good for us, but is it because they don't? That's what I think. I don't think they look at it that way. I think that for so many people, the gap between where they feel they are now and the vision of what they have, whether it's for themselves or what they see other people doing, is too wide. And they don't see that. I think for a lot of people, you know, the motivation to get up off the couch you know, you can talk about how it's better for your health and how you live longer and all these other things, which is great. And that's super motivating for some people. But some people feel like there's such an enormous gap between where they are and where they want to be that they don't even get started. And so um, one of the things I like to do is every single person that's listening to this podcast can get better and can and can get to a better place. And I think that rather than comparing yourself to what other people are doing, it's helpful to identify, say, one or two or maybe three weak links in your chain that you have right now. And um, I talk about the five S's when I train mm -hmm. people. Speed, strength, stamina, suppleness, and skill. Okay. Um, when you came to me and we started talking, we looked at those five, speed, strength, stamina, suppleness, and skill, and we said, well, we know you're strong and you're pretty darn fast and, you're, and your endurance is pretty darn good. You move well. What's the one area, suppleness, <laughs> that is kind of your current weak link that's holding you back from making improvement in these other right. areas that you want to improve? Right. I'm not as supple as I want to be or couldn't be. Right. And so we looked at a handful of things. We looked at your ankle flexibility, with your hip and hamstring flexibility, maybe a little bit with your shoulders. And we said, okay, here's where you are today. We need to make some incremental improvement. Doesn't have to be a lot, mm -hmm. but a little bit consistently over a period of time. And what happened? You started to see a change. And guess what that was? That was fun. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I remember I used to come in. I was like the teacher with the, the apple. Like, I'm going to show him the apple today. So one of my motivations is I wanted to please the teacher. But I started seeing some just, and I, I couldn't believe where my ankle flexibility and my wrist flexibility improved. And then my shoulder flexibility got better. And, you know, I still have challenged my backs, not in my hips and my hamstrings. That, But I'm, I'm slowly trying to get better at that stuff. Right. If we see change, it's fun. And what is 
play, play is fun. So if we're doing something and we're not seeing any change, then it kind of becomes So when you're saying difficult, that, you know, that, the least. that gap, that moat, it's too, too whatever big. you want to call it, it's so big. I think the challenging thing that you probably see and I know we see is that I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's that frustration too. You go to the gym, I get in the treadmill, I do some weight training, and but I can't get off the floor. Right. So right. where do I begin with some of that stuff? Yeah. So when it comes to screens or assessments, I mean, there's too it many. It never ends. There's right? too many. Um, and if we have a chance to shoot a little video or do some things in your gym area, we might go over a few of these. But um, fundamentally, most people, almost everyone, unless they work on a regular basis, are going to show some measure of tightness and restriction in their ankles, in their calves. Um, hamstrings is a common one, hips and low back. And there are some basic assessments that we can do for each of those areas. Mm -hmm. Um, anything from kneeling down on the floor, like we did when you first started and trying to sit back and see if you can sit back and get your heels, your rear end close to your heels. Right. Um, I'm not suggesting that everybody go out and try, you know, a bunch sure. of this stuff out of the gate without right. some some but direction. It, but it's that, that's, that's that awareness. It is. It's it's finding out what your current what you can currently do from a movement standpoint and finding kind of where your limits are. Most of us sit a good portion of our day, whether it's talking to somebody or at a desk or at a computer mm -hmm. or right. driving. And so flexion, this move forward, the roundness, the roundness is is kind of a natural byproduct of that. I mean, yeah, our body gravity. adapts to the environment. Yeah, gravity's getting on us. Absolutely. So one of the things I've test right out of the gate is people's extension. Can you stand up straight? Can you put your arms overhead? Can you stand a foot from the wall? and touch the wall with both arms going overhead, touch the wall going down between your legs. With so your, simple. Simple stuff. And you realize, okay, I can't and touch my toes, out, so why, why am I doing X? can't do it. Right. And so, so why am I spending an hour outside running? Exactly. Because that, whatever that weak link is, chances are it's keeping your progress from moving forward mm -hmm. at bay or it's limiting it well you probably see this with your boys I, I have four grandkids now and i'm watching them move and it's interesting how supple they are you yeah. know and they can move in all sorts of different positions and so i was in the pool the other day and i was doing squats in the pool and it's amazing how low i can squat in the pool yeah. but then i realized okay so if i can squat this low in the pool what's what's the limiter what's what's the <laughs> right and it really it keeps hitting me like okay i can really squat low in the pool but i can't squat not even close to that, you know, on land. So you start looking at, okay, how do I create, keep thinking more, being more supple? Because you've really got that in my brain. Yeah. Well, it's a huge one. It's huge. It Especially really for me, 62 years old, and I want to be, I need to be more <laughs> supple so I can do more things. Yeah. Including playing golf or paddle ball or not having injuries and 
and all that stuff. And that wasn't even on the radar screen when you and I first hooked up. It's right. like, how much weight can we push? Yeah. You know, and you, we, you get that. I mean, testosterone level sure has obviously <laughs> dropped quite a bit <laughs> over time, but but being more supple and being able to move. And I think in our training philosophy here at Ontario Living, I've really, I mean, I've incorporated so much stuff that you've shared with me with some of the people we work with and like, okay, let's, you can't do that. Why are we trying to do this? Right. And it's just that whole, whole, yeah. whole, whole venue there. All right. So here's a couple other questions for you. So I always, I like what you were talking about. Tell them a little bit about the three R's of strength training. Okay. So, um, I have a lot of acronyms, but the three R's of strength training that I often use are rate, range, and resistance. Okay. And so I, I start with a fundamental idea of what I call one good rep, which is trying to do an exercise or a movement one good solid repetition, you know, ideally perfect form. And so uh, pick an exercise, any exercise. Now let's do a push up. Okay, so let's say a push up. So on a push up, uh, if you take rate, range, and resistance, the resistance on a standard push up with your hands on the floor and your feet on the floor is basically your body weight minus you know, what your legs weigh. It comes out, I think, to about two-thirds your body weight you're sure. supporting yeah. with your upper body. If you were to put a weight on your back, you just increased the resistance, okay? But if you elevate your hands above your feet, say you put your hands on the wall or put your hands on a countertop, you're still, you can still be in a push-up position, but now the resistance, because of the mechanics of it, just the physics of it, sure. The, the, the resistance has changed enormously. It's gone way, way down. Mm -hmm. By the same token, if you do a handstand push-up, you're lifting your entire body weight, <laughs> okay? Right, or so if the you put your feet up on a up. bench or whatever, right. right? Range, range is the range of motion through which you go. So if somebody goes all the way down to touch the floor with their chest on a push-up, that's what we would call more or less full range. Somebody elevates their hands and has a space between them, say on like a pair of you know mini parallel bars on the floor, the range actually goes up because they can go down low. But a mm -hmm. lot of people don't have the strength to do a push-up like that. Correct. So if you can do what I call a one-inch push-up, which is start from a plank, hands on floor, feet on floor, and see if you can maintain proper alignment and good posture and literally go down one inch and then come back up. You've changed the range, the resistance is the same, okay? But it makes it doable for a whole bunch of people. Right, now we're, now we're starting to talk about play. Now we're seeing progressions right. and we're seeing that I'm getting better. That one inch goes to two, eventually right. to three, and so on. You could use a basketball and say, I'm gonna touch my chest to the basketball, you know, right. something Just like that. Just small, small right. changes. And then rate is how fast you do it. Because there's a difference between doing uh, one push-up a second and two push-ups a second or one push-up every three seconds What if you slow the reps down and take 10 seconds to do one push-up? Whoa, you got a whole new exercise, right? So when people get stuck in like I'm gonna do this many reps and this many sets They're not even Don't taking get hung the three up on hours, that. Mm -hmm. right? Start some tr find some variation mm -hmm. Almost each time you walk into the gym tweak something right. make that's it a little where the different. play comes in You know people say all the time 
well, strength training is boring. I'm like, it's anything but boring. It's a, it's just an endless amount of ways to do things right. and see progressions. Um, I started thinking about, like, we were doing a couple different movements. I was trying to think of the, like, you were having me doing running. Mm-hmm. And we started out with the range was very small. Baby steps. Baby steps. In baby place. Steps, baby going steps, nowhere. Going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay. So then, you know, the, the magic here is, and then you said, okay, we're going to do baby steps, but we're going to add a little bit more right. speed. Yep. So we're doing baby steps, we're adding more speed, and then we added more range, and then you, you could see how this starting to roll. Yep. And now we're actually running. Right. Because that's when I came to see you because I had the hamstring and you're like, okay, let's just start really slowly. Right. And we were doing the same thing doing lunging. Like, okay, we're, when you pull your hamstrings, how does it happen? It happens to me the same way. I go to hit a forehand, mm-hmm. I'm decelerating, I'm coming yep. into a shot, I'm lunging into it and the deceleration, okay, let's do that. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. No, no, you're going to go very slowly. Yep. We're going to do a small range of motion. Your rate's going to be very slow. Yep. You're taking everything, and then you're just slowly expanding that. Over time? Over time. Expand the range. And now you're conditioning me to play the way I want to play that my body's been there before. Exactly. And then I feel confident that I can do that. Yeah. And I think that's what really hit me, like taking these little simple, easy things like running or lunging or whatever, and just breaking them down into that, that range, that rate, and that resistance. Yeah. And you kept telling me, well, we don't need to worry about resistance until we start getting these other two a little bit in line for most cases. Right. Yep. Like, let's, let's work on your range first. Yeah. We can work on your rate, and then we can, you know, handle more weight or whatever you're doing. So right. I just think that's a, such a great way to help people progress. Yeah. Versus I can't do that movement. Right. Well, sure you can. Right. Find a way to make the, make the resistance lower. So yeah. change the mechanics of it a little bit. Right. And then play with both speed and how much range of motion you're going through. So what are some other things you want to make sure we cover today in our podcast? Um, I guess the idea of identifying weak links in any one person, we all have them. Um, every professional athlete you can think of has something that is keeping them stuck or holding them back from, you know, moving and for most of us, the weak links are the things that we kind of steer away from, the things we don't really want to do. As I said, we like to play to our strengths. We like to do things that we're already really oh, good for at. Sure. Okay. Um, and for many people, especially, you know, I don't know the demographic of the people that are listening to your podcast, but we're all getting older just as we sit here. Well, I think our demographics are quite large. Okay. I think that that range of motion, I mean, some people had a bad experience when they were younger they find stretching boring or they just plain don't like stretching because it hurts um the interplay between flexibility and strength is so strong and so missed i think by so many mm-hmm. um i said it before if we know where you're tight we know where you're weak and so if we can incorporate strength training into helping people get more flexible um, and more flexibility into helping people get stronger, I think it makes it a lot more um, so give valuable me an exa- and give, interesting Give everybody an example of that when you say that. So let's just take a strength training exercise that increases the flexibility. Okay. So we, we may do this at some point <laughs> later today. Sure. But, um, I have a squat that I was 
actually somebody showed it to me years ago and I'd completely forgotten about it, but I've been doing it just in the la- literally in the last two or three weeks. It's a wall squat, but not the kind that you did for ski team where you sit with your rear right. end on the wall and your knees bent 90 degrees. You actually face the wall. And I place my toes about one inch away from the wall in kind of a classic, you know, feet shoulder width apart stance. And then I take a dowel or a lightly weighted bar, something probably, you know, 10 pounds or less, and put it overhead. And then squat as low as I can without falling over backwards. Because you're close to the wall. Because you're close to the wall. And I've had a, almost every client try this, okay? I can see I'm going to be one of those people today. <laughs> and, and it's really interesting to see what the, literally the differences in flexibility are. Mm. Um, first of all, for people that don't squat on a regular basis, a squat all by itself can be challenging. Sure. An overhead squat is even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, some people will literally drop an inch or two, and that's as far as they can go. Um, others can do a complete deep squat all the way down. And then most people are above somewhere in between. well above parallel. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's a, that is an example of kind of a classic strength exercise that in this case incorporates some mobility. And if you do it, Guess what? You get better at it mm-hmm. in practice, just like Shocking. so many other things. Yeah, shock and all. <laughs> you just say you'd come in and we just did the same thing of like, hey, um, let's do this. Well, obviously you haven't done it since last time we got together, right? <laughs> or we're talking about nutrition. You know, I hey, well, uh, okay, you're right. I got you. Got me. Right. So, yeah. So as we wrap this up, so what do you do for you to rejuvenate? How much foam roller are you doing? I know. We do a lot of like the tennis ball or some hard balls, yep. you know, muscles, you know, uh, specific areas of your body. How much of that are you doing for yourself personally? Is it, that part of your... It is. Yeah. I do a little bit pretty much daily. Mm-hmm. Some days if I have, you know, something going, like I got a tight right trap right now. Um, don't ask me why. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I've been working a little more on that. I might spend, you know, five extra minutes with a tennis ball or, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember one that. time you and I were talking, and I was like, why don't we do more of this? Because mm-hmm. we don't have a problem or we don't think we have a problem. Right. Until it becomes a problem, then we spend more time on the problem. Well, and the thing that I've, I've come to actually believe is that every one of us has something going on at a given point in time. I mean, it may not be, you know three alarm fire going on but we all have something that is kind of not quite right and you know I I train a lot of athletes and every one of them has something going on it's not necessarily debilitating it's not stopping them from doing their sport and they may be performing at a crazy high level but we're people and things happen Mm -hmm. and it's you know the the thing to do over time is to to find what it is that's you know where is the phone ringing where here's your sign pay attention to it and body's talking and find something that you can do to make it better right i know all um, these little baby steps you're talking about are, are critical yeah. so, so how do um how do people get a hold of you well i have a studio here in um in town called the trainer studio original name 
And you got some great people you are in business with. I am super fortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, I have three partners and we have been in partnership for going on 16 years now. Um, And we have, I think, altogether nine trainers at our studio, two massage therapists, a handful of instructors, self-defense, Zumba, uh, Pilates. We got a great bunch of people. Um, and, and with a ton and ton of experience. Oh, I mean, yeah. Years and years and years. Yeah. So it's not like these are brand new you know, people to this world. Right. These are really professionals that have been doing this a long time. Yep. Yep. In a, in a lot of different capacities. Yes. In different personalities. Different personalities. Um, we have a really fun culture. We all mm-hmm. enjoy each other. Um, and But we all have a slightly different approach or take on things. Mm-hmm. And as you recall, when we were at the MAC, I was largely responsible for matching trainers with clients. Yes. And when a trainer and client, when the fit is good, it's magic. Right. I mean, it's just awesome. When the trainer-client fit is not good, it's a disaster. And it's not just about what the trainer knows. It's about it's largely about personality. It's and the match. Who, who, the match. That's the match. So if you're out there and you don't really like the instruction you're getting, right. like anything else, you got to find the match. Because, you know, as you know, it, it, like going over, I mean, it's just you and I are just having fun together. I enjoy Damn my it. time with you as much right. as you're teaching me. Because if you don't enjoy that time, it's, what's it, the doesn't, point? it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the studio, trainerstudio.com is probably the simplest way we are on the web. So you can kind of take a look at our website and, um, you know, see what we have to offer. And anybody that wants to give me a shout, I'm happy to, I'm happy to help. No, it's just, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for the stuff you've shared with me over the years. So this won't be our last podcast together. Good. Yeah, enjoyed that. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And again, Walt, thanks for coming in. I really, truly appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you for having me. And we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Good luck to everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>